Hey there, this is Joel. And Destiny. And I'm writer David Peppos from Spencer and Locke, and you're listening to Top 5 Comics Podcast. Welcome to Top 5 Comics Podcast, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. With us today, we have the Master Bat Disaster, Josh45. What is up? And the Master Bat Collector, CBS. Hi. Say what's up. <laughs> you said that, though. We don't, don't, what do they call it? When you both say the same thing, Jinx, you owe me a Coke? That's not what they call that. As long as we say it at the same time. Ah, right. Like the Warner Twins powers. Yeah. Wonder Twin Powers combined. No, activate. Activate. Yeah. Wonder Twin Powers combined. What's that? What's com- Oh, Captain Planet. Captain Planet is when their powers combine. It's funny on the new episode of uh, Fake Doctor's Real Friends. It's that Scrub Rewatch one. Right. The Wonder Twins got get brought up, and they Weird. and they start talking about like how lame the Wonder Twins are. Just like form of water, shape of whatever. It's just like so. What's good? Like if there's a forest fire, and that's pretty much it. Like forest fire and a, a bucket. No. A bucket? No, because you need to have the bucket there. So a bird, they have the bucket with them and in the water. So they turn into water in the bucket. I think it turned into ice, I guess. That's true. Xander? No, Zan. What's his name? I have no idea. I know this. I just can't remember. It doesn't matter. Anyway, uh, see, so today we're going to be doing episode... uh, This is episode, gosh. This is episode number 142. (laughs) And book-wise, we're going to be going over um, the le- so Lords of Empire, Celestial Messiah number one, Horizon Zero Dawn. That's from Marvel. Sorry, Horizon Zero Dawn number one. And this is uh, coming out of uh, Titan Comics, and then uh, Dark Knights Death Metal Legends of the Dark Knights, also number one from uh, DC Comics. Lots of long. Names and the titles this time. Uh, so before all that, though, you want to do a little bit of news, Josh? Sure. You had, do, you have any, do you have any news over there? So what's in the news? Uh, Get us in the mood. <laughs> man, what's in the news? It's a totally different show. <laughs> no, it's in every show. So um, I did see that pretty hefty rumor on uh, MC, Marvel MC, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is that they're going to have Shia LaBeouf play a Bobby Drake Iceman. Interesting. Huh, all right. That's uh, I hadn't seen that. That's crazy. As a recasting of some of the, the X characters. Right. Well, so, that, a- so then somebody who, um, in... I think I saw that on Nerdist or something like that. Hmm. But then uh, it was like they they did a like fan mock up of him as Wolverine though, which looked really good. Which I wouldn't be horribly against if Shia LaBeouf was Wolverine. I think that'd be really cool because he's hairy and crazy enough. Well, and and height wise, he's a lot shorter than Hugh Jackman, in which yeah. Wolverine is shorter. That's true. And he can bulk up, and he's a good actor. And I think he's just the right insane. I think he'd be. I think he'd be cool. I don't I mean the, as far as acting is concerned, yeah. If uh Disturbia is an example, like he's can play intense, that's true. But he is crazy and that's where the problem lies. I don't know. Height wise, yeah, that actually kinda of makes a lot of sense. Crazy. And he's not really that he's not really that crazy. Well, Shia LaBeouf? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, nah, he's like he's got it he's got it together. Like he really does. Like he's made some brilliant films that he's done himself and um I know he's fantastic. 
you know, he went through, he's, he's very like outspoken on certain things and he like, he's, he kind of doesn't care about, I don't think he cares more that much about the money or the fame. I think he just does what he wants. And I think that like, that might be part of it. I think Wolverine has that attitude anyway, so it makes a lot of sense. And grow hair crazy too. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, if he's going to be Bobby Drake, then whatever. But yeah, that's a that's a weird. Well, that sounds like a fan theory, but because I don't feel like the namesake is popular enough, and I don't. Well, if they're going to, they're bringing the X Men in. They got to well, do it somehow. That's the, that's the theme, yeah. So there's been a pretty big fan theory about that too, with the the idea of maybe the second Cap Marvel movie ushering in Rogue. So, depending on where we start at, I don't know if we're going to get a bunch of them at the same time, or... I mean, I guess if New Mutants goes well, they might try to use that and bridge forward, but it, as a thing, they made some big deal with Brie Larson regarding her extended contract with the Marvel Universe, I guess. According to Badger Report, they just caved to whatever she wanted. Like, what exactly that means, I did not read enough because I didn't care enough. At the moment, now I'm at some point, I'm sure I'll be like, I can't believe they did that, but I didn't read it, so... I know it was a thing. That's as far as I got. But yeah, I mean, I, I guess he'd be fine. So I whatever. I, I, I think when Marvel, when the MCU goes to do it, it's going to be just straight up like the powerhouses. I don't think they're going to try and use the New Mutants or any of that nonsense. I think, it, or like do it like kind of. I mean, if they do, if they're going to do it kind of, they're not going to use Rogue. Yeah, the it's, only it's going to it's going to be at the end of something. It's going to be well. It could be at the end of Captain Marvel too. The only, yeah, but, the only bridge there is that... Rogue's, Rogue's such a small character, though. No, nah, she's a big deal in the Marvel Universe, or in the X-Men Universe. Eh, not... Oh, yeah. Okay, she's she's not in the top ten. Uh, as far as powerhouses? No, no, just popularity of characters, as far as the X-Men go. I don't know, man. Wolverine. Yeah. Cyclops, Jean Grey, Professor X. Right. Like, all the original Iceman beasts, like, they're all going to be above her. Storm. First class style, I guess I could yeah, say that. Yeah, I mean, Magneto, like anybody, like they're all going to be above her. She's so, she's so much lower. I mean, I know they used her in the first, the first movies and stuff, but it's just like, she just wasn't. Well, she took Jubilee's role in the first batch of movies, which Jubilee's role in the cartoons and in the comic books even was the new girl of the team so everybody can meet the characters. I get it, but, you know, but again, Rogue is not, if you're going to draw people, it's like, um, the only that's reason, just my opinion. But. The only reason that theory is there is because Captain Marvel is so overpowered at this point that if they're going to use Rogue to nerf her to bring her back down to a playable level. I don't think she's so overpowered, though, because she goes against Thanos and she doesn't beat Thanos one-on-one. She doesn't. like she. That's, she, that's Thanos. And the only reason he stopped her is because he grabbed the power gem. Up to that point, she was kind of holding her own pretty good. Yeah, kind of. So he grabs a power gem. That's the only reason that stopped. But you know, in the next arc, that seems like they're going to, going to be going against like Galactus or the Celestials. So like she's not she, she's going to be dwarfed. Yeah. So it's just like, and I don't think that Rogue's going to have anything will have anything to do with that. No. If they decide to nerf her, that'd be the easy way to do it. That's what people start. That's but what people are saying. Again, I think that that's to me personally that'd be crappy writing if they if they did it that way. Because the the the, the X Men that people want to see are the first class. They want to see them done properly, and they want like. They want to, they want their like they they people want and I'm not saying Wolverine is but people want to see people want to see Wolverine and Cyclops and Jean Grey and that love triangle and people want to see like you know if they want to see Rogue they're gonna want to see Gambit with Rogue they're gonna, like they want to see the X Men the way that the X Men are and in a good way in a positive light and they've just they've been messed with for so many years and done okay or this or that or meh. 
that's just like the, I think people are going to want to see, you know, people have their mixed reviews on Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. And sure. people have their mixed reviews on Andrew Garfield. But I don't think anybody has mixed reviews on, um. Tom Holland? Yeah. Everybody loves the kid. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like, they, they do people right. Like, Tony Stark, like, Robert Downey Jr.'s version of Tony Stark was what people wanted to see as Iron Man. Like, mm, as far as casting, they do a great job. You know, like, no and, and that's, there. and that's the thing. But the, the characters themselves, though, like, are pretty much true to, like, who they are. Like, they, they, they define, like, you know, when you read Iron Man now, he's kind of written like Robert Downey Jr. talks. Well, I think he's always written that way. I think Jr. I, just fits but he was perfectly. Is all. I don't think he was like Robert Downey Jr. has a certain way that he talks. And he they, does. when I I picked up some Avengers books and like and flipped through them, like they're writing him. And he he wasn't like oh, that. Now you couldn't you couldn't not exactly. Write him but now. he's defined yeah. the character so much. Like, sure. and I think that like like people were worried about oh they're changing Spider Man again. But they did an amazing job. And Tom Holland as Spider-Man is so good. Yeah. He's got that teen angst, like the drama, like the, you know, he's small and little, but he also, it's it just, they, they did it in such a good way that they integrated him into the universe in such an amazing, positive way that I just think that, like, I think, but, like, doing the X-Men, like, a cheap way, like, maybe bringing Rogue in for the Captain Marvel thing or, like, I don't, it needs to be done right. And well, I think I, if they if they use if they do, if they use her as an element to work on Captain but Marvel, she's not, but she's not an original X Man though. But she's a ninety two X Man. If you use her as a bad guy at the beginning, then you can do the story arc where you make her good. And like what most people think of when they think of the X Men, like you and me think of first like man Rob, we all think first class and we're like the original OGs. But most people when they think of the X Men, they think of the ninety two X Men, the Jim Lee X Men. And that's a much okay, broader but, cast. But, than e- a lot but even at that you know. point, but even at that point, the '92 X-Men and the X-Men cartoon, even that's beyond like pe- kids who go and watch movies today. Oh, for sure. So that's even beyond that. So then, it, so then it doesn't matter. And the thing is, is like, you know, they never really like gave them what they needed to be given. They just didn't. Like, mm, yeah. and a lot of people are like, oh, the X-Men movies were okay. No, they weren't. Comparatively, mm. comparatively, what the MCU has done from like Iron Man on, oh, not being like, next to each other, no, it's absolute garbage. Completely, completely and different. and the thing is, is like if once you finally acquire that that license, and the X Men and comic books are super super popular, yeah. So like if you acquire uh, finally figure it out, and you have to buy Fox to do it, <laughs> it's crazy. But yeah, and so you finally get the X Men. They're not gonna. I don't think they're gonna do it half-assed. They're gonna do it properly, and they're gonna do it well, and it's gonna be amazing. And I think that, like, I know what you're saying. I get like, th- like the connection between the two and this kind of thing and that kind of thing. But I mean, maybe have, I don't know, bring her in later on as a villain in an actual X-Men film and have her do that to Captain Marvel. Maybe then. But then, like, what are you gonna do? Put Captain Marvel in a coma for a couple of movies? Like, it does, it's, I don't think it'll work the same way. No, then like the the coma thing because Captain Marvel works. was wasn't. A major character back then when she did that to no, her. She's not a major character now. In the comic book, she's not. So, so I mean, so it'd be kind of pointless to do that. And I think that like it really, it's really going to have to be something that has to do with Wolverine or. Well, he's he's as far as a popular character of all the X Men, regardless of who you like better, he's still like the most popular X Men. I mean, if anything at all, you're going to have to do it through Deadpool. If anything at all, you're going to have to bring the X Men in through Deadpool. Like a, a current character, because you know what they, you know what Deadpool was, 
it was done fantastically. Oh yeah, both of them. Cable was done fantastically. Domino was done fantastically. These these characters who have a massive, insane following. Like people, absolutely. Even before the movies, people have loved Deadpool. Oh yeah, for years. And it's like if you're going to bring the X Men in, I think that's the way to do it. You bring him in through Deadpool. I can see using him as a bridge. I mean, they alluded to the rest of the characters. Even if even if you have to change the universe, being the Deadpool is the way Deadpool is, and like how he got time travel at the end of the second Deadpool movie, and we use time travel in the multi in, in the in game movie. I can see both those things working to each other's benefit. It's just a matter of whether. Disney is willing to play but, with but it, Deadpool as a main character. But again, you I mean, you have Colossus and Colossus above Rogue on popularity uh, in I the book. I don't books. think so. Ah, I do. I, he's never, there's never been more than like a five issue series for Colossus by himself. Rogue's had full series as a books, multiple series. Yeah, and they've all been canceled because she's not that popular. They've all been mini series. And yeah. Colossus was also a mini series. Yeah, but Colossus has been. Popularized in, in the around. films. In the films, he's been popularized through that character with on, on, in both Deadpool's in the people. Deadpool movies, sure. And so he's already has an audience. So if you're going to bring the X Men in, that's the way to do it, you know. And I and, and I like I like the Magneto and I like the Professor X. Like I like those guys, the, the actors who play him. Sure. Like Fassbender, I think nails Magneto, but like they're both good actors, you know. But like, do, do they just want to wipe the slate clean? Well, I think, yeah, probably. Like I said, I think the only pieces that might... Because they're not afraid to do it, because they had, you know, the the uh, Ed Norton version of the Hulk is part of MCU canon, and they when they went to make the Hulk in the next one, they changed the actor without any problems. Right. You know? So, like, I don't yeah, think... That- I don't think there's any... If anything sticks forward, it would only be if New Mutants does really well. And that's, like, a major if... I mean, I do think all the commercial pieces we've seen, all the pieces they put on there, the, the Comic Con at home, are all great. But it's got to be a movie that does so well that it's willing to shape the way Marvel does things, and that's not going to happen. I think it's going to be so because it's, it's it was made before the deal was done. Oh yeah. So I don't think it, I, don't, I think that they are going. I think if they finally get that out, they're going to be like, we got to get something out of this because this is bazillions of dollars have been wasted in time, everybody's time. But then it's just going to be swept under the rug. I, don't know, I, we'll I see, man. There's a lot I mean, of fan. It's, it's it's crazy, and and I say this with all the love in my heart. Of all the things in the world that you're like, you're like, well, we'll see how it goes. It might be, oh, I don't know. It might be okay. Yeah, but the thing is, like this thing, the the likelihood of it sucking is like ninety ninety four percent. And see. you're like, oh, well, it could be, it could be good. And like, it's weird that you're choosing this. You like, haven't seen any of the stuff from the Comic-Con I have. I've home. 100% seen all of it. You wouldn't watch the Comic-Con home video? I watched it? everything on the internet that you showed I, me. I'm, oh, I didn't show that to you. And I've watched... Okay, so they, it's not on YouTube yet? Because oh, I've, no, I've, I've seen multiple things on YouTube about it's it. It's on YouTube. Yeah, I've seen multiple things on YouTube. See so you saw the demon there? Yeah. Okay, well, that's why I believe in it, because well, the like, demon bear He likes awesome. Oh, okay, so that answers everything. Like, it's about the bear. Heck yeah, the bear looks awesome. You're Boris the Bear. We get it. That's an old nickname of yours. Boris the That's Bear. That's not true at all. Well, you were Boris the Bear. No, not ever. Huh? Mm, no. And loaded 45 days. That's, oh my god. Just Petroff the Wolf. Really? Oh yeah, you were god. Boris the Bear. <sighs> That's stupid nonsense. That was, that, that was one day. I was Petroff the Wolf. And never went any farther than that. 
Oh, it lasted for years. No, it, it lasted for like the years. Fact that you bring it up right now is weird because that I barely remember that. So yeah, at one point for one day that was a thing. Man, how I've, weird. I've actually I actually got a flask <laughs> with Petrov the Wolf on it. That's you. That has nothing to do with me. But you were a part of that. I was around. Just because I was around. There's a flask anything. that was yours. You just no, there's not. Yeah, there is. I've seen it. Mm, I haven't. Yeah, I just I don't know why he never gave it to you. Well. He's like, do you think it'll CBS to use this? It's probably not. It's not real, then. If I've ever seen it, it's oh, not real. I've, I've had it in my hand, so. Okay. Do you have any more news, Josh? Um, there's the Shia LaBeouf thing, and then some of the other news I have will be for, like, things to watch. I think it's more, sure. it's more of a thing to watch than it is, because I don't want to, like, it's a spo- it's more of a spoiler. I don't want to, like, spoil anything, so. Okay. Um, well, as far as, like, other things in the news... So DC Comics had a little meltdown, I guess. Maybe not the comics. I guess DC in general. Uh, so here, I don't know. Now it's been like two or three days ago. So it's it's pretty new. So depending on when you listen to this, whatever. Um, but DC Direct, uh, the action figure line for DC is no longer a thing. Um, DC wound up letting go like around 800 people, not just from there, but from a lot of other facets of DC's conglomeration as a thing. And, like, most of the articles attributed to the parent company, Warner Brothers, but AT&T owns Warner Brothers, so it's AT&T that's actually doing it. But, uh, yeah, so the DC Direct line, I guess, at this point is dead as a thing. So all the, like, Batman animated figures, all the statues, all the DC Direct icons figures, all that stuff is no longer a thing. So I guess... Those are all through McFarlane, though. No, McFarlane's doing a totally different batch of figures. Those aren't the icons. Those are the McFarlane DC lines. Those will continue to go because they're through McFarlane license-wise. I think that that's probably why they probably gave him a license. Like, the animated figures... We, and the thing is, we don't know if the last wave of animated ones are coming out or not. Cause there's, the animated, there's pre-sale up for them already. There's been for... Because they were with Diamond original. Well, I just saw them today. Did you for the... Hang on, are we talking about there's the Batman like an, Animated Continues figures? There's like an Asriel one that I saw. There's a... This one had Deathstroke. Deathstroke. Uh, Batman, the Big Armor, a Bat Who Laughs. I don't yep. remember an Asriel. Asriel was in the back left corner of the, the okay. photo, and then they had an individual one of him. And we might still see those come out. And I was then. like... And I went... I'm actually meant to message you, and I was like, oh, that's kind of neat in Animated Asriel, but... Yeah. As far as things, they're supposed to all be figures coming out around the release of the the six-part miniseries. The uh, Batman animated series continues comics. That's what they're connected to. That's where those figures are being made, because all those characters are showing up in that miniseries of comics that were the continuation to the animated series. So there's a Jason Todd figure. It's They're Red supposed Hood, to be freaking Joker, awesome. Yeah. Uh, a version 2 Batman, Bat- yep. Batman Who Laughs... Asriel Batman, well, Nightfall Batman. The Batman, the big, Catwoman, the big armor. Catwoman Unmasked, Deathstroke. Yep. Catwoman Unmasked, I think, already came out before all this, actually. But it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's the same line. With the blonde hair? Yeah. The dual heads. Mm-hmm. Oh, she says pre-order in the same case. Um, October 2020. So I guess we'll see if that stays up or not. Like um, Vampire Batman. Oh, yeah. The bat, no, it's the uh, red, uh, red Dawn? No. Gosh, what was that thing called? It was Red Death, maybe? Vampire Batman. I can't remember the storyline. It's Batman. The Adventures Continue Vampire Batman. Right. It it's from a comic book that was an Elseworlds book. Well, I know, but... But yeah, like all those figures at this point, yeah. But it seems like that the... That's not like, that's not an art mock-up. That's an actual figure. Oh, yeah. All the pictures that they... They were soliciting those things that come out this summer over at Diamond. And then the whole blow up between Diamond and Image, or no, sorry, Diamond and DC, 
And DC moving distribution wise, the last part that moved over, yeah, the Nightfall of Azrael. Whenever they, yeah, you just showed me a picture of it. So I Google the picture because it looks cool. Um, yeah, whenever DC originally moved the comic books, they didn't move the toy line, and then the toy line wanted to be moved afterwards, and it moved over to Luna and USC because we had to go through and replace our orders for them. And I've got a couple guys trying to get figures from that series. So now I'm just wondering if the figures have been done and they just haven't been distributed. But yeah, after this, I guess moving forward, there won't be any more DC Direct, which is kind of sad because they made some pretty cool stuff. Well, I mean, we thought that when they Marvel Legends changed companies too, and then it right. ended up being for the better. It might be the same because the thing. first the first Marvel Legends, the company was who was it? Uh, oh, I remember because Hasbro has it now. Who uh, not Mattel? I don't remember. I think it's a defunct company, actually. It might have been. Um, I don't remember. Who you know, the first and, and some of them were decent, and then some of them were real rough. Yeah. And like with the current line, I haven't seen a single rough one. Right. Even characters that I don't even know were like are still a, a, an amazing figure. So, um, you know, the build of figures got smaller. They did. But. But they're still good. Yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see where it goes. I mean, they might just get picked up by another company and maybe McFarlane just absorb all that. But yeah, the McFarlane line and this line were totally separate things. So what that really means for the rest of it, we don't know yet. But pretty crazy considering that DC Direct's been doing its thing for a lot of years now. But you know, there's certain things that DC does, like their films, and I'm just like, what the heck? I mean, they've done a couple that are good. Like, I think Shazam is great. But, like, I mean, we'll see when the Snyder Cut comes out. But Justice League was a flop. Sure. It wasn't good at all. You know, like, and, but then, like, you know, the the four-inch line, the three, the three, the 118th scale line of oh, DC. The figures? They're always garbage. But these guys aren't that size, though. The figures no, you're no, talking no. about. No, no, no. I know. I'm just, I'm saying, I'm just saying things that DC doesn't do well in general. Uh-huh. But, you know, like. Yeah, the four, the, the one eighteen scale of Marvel are amazing. I think that's a matter of the manufacturer, though, because they're licensed uh, products. Okay. I know, but it, I know that. But I'm saying what I'm saying by that is sure. that like DC does dumb things on a regular basis. Oh, yeah. It's just like so that, that's I'm trying to say. Like as much as I've always loved DC more than Marvel, I've always been more of a DC guy. I just cannot stand some of the decisions they make. Sure. Well, they made a whole handful in the last six months that are crazy. Um, so, I mean, with that, Jim Lee is no longer the uh, no longer the uh, publisher for DC any longer. Now he's a CCO, and you say, well, "What does that stand for?" Uh, creative? No. Creative con. Yeah, it's it's creative and something art. I don't remember. Google it, I guess. I I thought I remember it when I was trying to talk about it, but I don't remember. They it. also cut one third of their editorial staff. They did. That's the next thing I was going to talk about. There's a whole bunch of editors that got fired too. So on the comic book side, Jim Lee has moved jobs to a new title. Uh, oh, chief cord, chief creative. Oh, chief creative something. What does O stand for? Uh, I thought I had it for a second, but it's gone again. Anyway, um, in lieu of that, we, we put in two, two new people to try to drive the boat at, at DC. One of them, I, I, I did neither one of them are really bad at what they do, but both of them are from pieces of DC that have just done okay. And so I kind of wonder about that, because one of them was connected to the digital side of things, and the other one was connected to the, uh, the young reader and kids lines, 
and neither one of those lines do gangbusters. They just, they don't. They put out some decent enough books, but the Young Reader series is none of them have been hot fire, so I kind of wonder about that, because it's like, oh, you can sort of drive the boat over there? Want to drive the big boat? Here's the keys. Okay. But, I mean, maybe it's a new blood thing, and maybe it'll work out fine. So that's kind of weird. Well, a little scary, but we'll see. Remember when Marvel went bankrupt and they kind of sold off slash like leased out a bunch of their things to different people. And in the long run, it didn't work out well for them because it's taken them so many years to get some of that stuff back. And they still don't have it all back. So Right. Well, there's a lot of speculation about it. And if that starts with like the McFarland toys doing their figures for them. And so they kind of lease that out to them kind of thing. And they have some sort of contract where they can't do it with anybody else. You know, maybe that's that's one step in a bad direction. Yeah, we'll see. It's hard to say. I mean, I don't even think that. I don't even know if the, the DC there's the DC streaming thing. It's done. It's it's connected. It's going with to H, be, It's HBO Max. It's being absorbed. Yeah. So it's like, like I said, one side's being driven by people who are doing digital stuff. The other side was people doing books that just do okay. So why they're both driving both together, I don't know. But. Like I was saying, the speculation in the world for the last few years, every time there's a bump in the road for DC, is that maybe AT&T would just sell it to Marvel. And I think that's a little questionable, but you never know. So I guess we'll see. Yeah, I don't think they could do that, though. Well, since Warner Brothers and DC are two separate entities, as far as uh, control... No, but I don't... I. As far as laws go... I mean, like Monopoly? Yeah, I don't think that you... They bought Fox, didn't they? I think that at this point, if they buy anything else, they're going to break them up. Possible. I'm saying it's like it's very close. It's oh, like yeah. it's getting so. Oh, none of half of us didn't think the Fox still would go through. Right. So like we had many conversations about that. So yeah. if you buy DC Comics, that makes you like. I mean, as far as DC is thirty percent of the industry, and Marvel's what forty? Oh gosh, at least thirty, maybe thirty-five. They rank pretty close to each other. But whenever they left Diamond, Diamond was losing thirty percent of the comic industry. So that's all I can say about that because that's the only number I've ever seen. So let's say let's let's do a rough seventy five percent. Sure. Between sixty and seventy five percent of Which the industry is, is the Marvel Comics and DC Comics, and you put those two things together. Yeah. I don't think that, I don't think they would be allowed to do. It. I think it would get it would be split up. Yeah. It'd be, it'd it's be possible. Number. I mean, I don't. I don't think. Yeah, I don't know. I that whole that whole idea I've never really thought would be something that would make sense as a thing. But I guess I could see a secondary company. Maybe I don't know. That's crazy. We'll see. I mean, I, I more believe that we'll see a whole bunch of books go to digital direct, and the print line will well, shrink. So they were saying they don't know they don't know if the DC, the DC digital thing was going to be. Well, the comic book side where they're just selling stuff like Comicsology, I think that would would still go. The digital everything else, well, yeah. In the article, I was just reading the article. They said they don't they don't know if that even be a thing anymore. Well, that's crazy. I find it unlikely they pull the well, plug and sell digital copies of stuff. Well, you have to have a server that. Comicsology, man. Comicsology is the one that takes care of all that stuff. Then you're paying somebody to do something that... You're no, the- they're buying it from you just like a comic book store. They pay you to get the rights to sell it to other people. It's no different than me buying books from D.C. to sell to people at the store. Same idea, except that you're not physically yeah, selling doing, They anything. were doing the same thing to Diamond. Like, we we're paying somebody to distribute their books for them, and like, they're not doing that. You know what I'm saying? No, so- they are. Luna is not owned by D.C. They're owned by Midtown Comics. USC is not owned by D.C. It's exactly the same thing. They just gave it a different name. They're just different companies. It's not any different. So, yeah, that whole thing is crazy. Anyway, other than that, the only other thing I really saw that was kind of neat that I thought would be worth talking about a little bit is that uh, 
Marvel Comics, they've been hinting and teasing the idea of what they're going to be doing with their next Avengers storyline for Jason Aaron and uh, Ed McGinnis, which is going to be a uh, Enter the Phoenix storyline. So apparently after we get done with the story about Conchu, so Moon Knight's like, kind of some pieces that were backstory about Moon Knight, it's actually pretty cool. It's only like a four-part story, but it is pretty neat. So the thing is going to fall after that is going to be a Phoenix story. So that's cool, because Emma Guinness is also an artist. And Jason Aaron's a good writer, so... It's funny that they started this series back in 2018. That's when that, that Avengers series started with these guys. Granted, that the books in the middle, they weren't, wasn't both of them, but... Well, maybe it's Jason. I think maybe it has been Aaron the whole time. But Gonshu stuff, that wasn't drawn by Ed, so... I had to take a break. I like Partway through there. issues. But yeah, like as a thing, it's crazy that this series has been running that long, considering most series don't get past 25 issues before they get renumbered nowadays. So that's pretty crazy. Anyhow, uh, want to move on some books? Sure. Okay. Just to let you know, there will be spoilers. Um, alright, so let's go and open up with the, uh, Lords of Empire, Celestial Messiah. And this is the, uh, Connects to the Empire event that's happening right now. Um, and you had to remind me that, like, this kind of picks up, be- speaking of Avengers stuff, like the one we did a few, it took me, it's been like, what, four, four episodes ago? I think three, but yeah. Anyway. Was that actually... The Avengers, it was 140, so it's only been two. There was a month in there where we didn't get anything done, yeah. so... So I was just kind of like, it was like, ah, but then I, once you start talking about it, like, I'm at the blue spot of the moon, the basically the moon fight club right. issue. So if you guys listen to the show regularly, whenever we talk about the Avengers issue zero for Empire, this connects to that also. Um, it's dealing with uh, that whole Kree, Skrull, um, Past and Katari the- battle. So we're still dealing with that in this particular story. Uh, as far as the story is concerned, we, we open up and we've got, uh, we're on, of course, we're on the moon. And, uh, we've got someone getting prepared for a ceremony. Um, so they're like making, putting marks on their heads and a lot, there's a lot of, uh, internal thought and like, uh, I don't know, kind of, it's an overview of a narrator, but who the narrator is at the beginning, I don't think they actually name who the narrator is. But, uh, we're dealing with the Chikatati getting ready to go on his spirit journey, basically, to, uh, take his place as the rightful messiah to their people. And this is the uh, son of Mantis and the Kotati swordsman, so the green plant swordsman, the one that basically took over his body after he died and has been living as the swordsman, even though he's not technically the swordsman, which is also kind of a weird reveal that has happened in a, in a different book. Uh, but yeah, this is a Koi, is that how you say it? Qua. Qua. So Qua is, Qua is his name. Q-O-U-I. Q-U-O-I, yeah. Which is like, the only reason I said that is because in case we, we discussed this, but in French, pour quoi is for, like for why, like for why, why did that happen? And maybe that's what that's based off of. Like why of some sort has some sort of me- deeper, deeper meaning to it, which could be cool. I, I do know. think that's interesting if that, that his name is about the, the why. Um, his, his superhero, or his real name is Sequoia, but we don't really use that anymore. Anyway, so he's in the middle of talking with his father while they come down the stairs on this, uh, giant, uh, platform on the moon. And his father's like, once you get done with this, your quest, 
you'll decide what you're really made of. If you're really going to be the one to lead us to wipe out all the human race and all the animals on Earth. Which is basically what we've got going on. So the Katati misled the Avengers a little bit. A lot, a lot of it, actually. And uh, at this point, they are bent on genocide on the planet Earth for all, well, like, not just human life, but animal life. They want it to be a Earth, like, they want it to be a plant world. And then from there, use the vibranium to spread that to the rest of the universe, to take over the universe. So, it's pretty sneaky. Um, anyhow, so he's given this, this, uh, this... And this liquid to drink, and I don't, I don't remember if they named the liquid or not, but whatever it is, it's supposed to send him on his spirit journey, so it's very, I don't know, it's very holistic, I guess. And he drinks it, and at first it, he feels like he's dying, and we see all these giant plant things shoot out of the ground next to him, and they form into a version of Mantis. And we get some kind of cool, like, flashback stuff about Mantis's life, like when she, before she became part of the Guardians, and when she was running around with the Avengers, and when she fell in love with the swordsman, and then when the swordsman eventually died, and it's cool how they changed the art between the flashbacks and the modern. Those yeah, make the flashbacks look like they're a vintage comic, which I thought was cool. Right, the art style totally changes when they're do when they're in the uh, flashback universe or in the mental universe. Well, from there we jump back to the modern time or the current universe, and the, he basically starts a fist fight with Mantis, and like battle wise, she she was an Avenger for a reason. And as far as being a guardian, she was a guardian for a reason, too. Um, but during the fight, eventually she uh, she tells him, no, you have to see things. And, like, the world blacks out. And we rejoin the uh, Mantis in, prior to her being full green. So this is back when she was still colored, sort of flesh tony. And she's uh, in the process of talking to Wasp about reapplying to the Avengers. And she's trying to explain to... To Kwai? Kwa. Kwa. What his father was really like, and who the swordsman was, the man she fell in love with, and even though he is the son of the Katati swordsman, and her, the man she was in love with, is who he was basically emulating or imitating, or I guess imitating, because at the time he was taking on the persona of being the swordsman. Anyhow, so she, uh, we joined the swordsman's outside. And he's like, ah. I did so many things that were bad. Like, I don't think the Avengers ever gave me a second chance. And she's basically talking about, it. you're totally deserving. You're totally worth it. Like, you, you've improved. You've done so many things to fix things. He's like, yeah, but I pulled a sword in Captain America. You know, you, you don't do that kind of thing and then get into the Avengers. And she's like, nah, don't worry. They don't hold grudges like that. And it's like, really pretty cool because it's another, like, change of art. And it, as she's talking to him, he's like, oh, well, you belong there. You have powers. And I'm just a dude who's really good at things. And kind of scummy because I made bad choices. And she's like, well, if they don't want you, then they don't want me, and that's fine. And so she basically convinces him to, uh, again, apply for being an Avenger. Um, then we join them back on the planet, and uh, the two, the two we're back in the modern era now. And the two of them are still fighting it out, and it turns into full-on, like, brawl. And we get some pretty cool shots of the two of them, like, fighting in just different combat styles and whatnot. And then eventually, Kawhi? Koi? Qua. Qua. See, I have a problem with that. Qua, he extends like a, a, a branch out of his elbow, like a spike, and he stabs it into Mantis's chest, and he's like, now you're done. And then we realize that this vision he's having isn't just a vision. Like, what he's fighting is really there, but that part he built himself from his own plant powers, but this 
version of Storyteller he's getting is Mantis. Like, she's connected to him through the... God, whatever, what's her power where she mentally projects herself? Empathy. Empathy. She's an empath. That's right. Well, she's actually out in space, very far away on a spaceship communicating with him. So this is really her communicating with him, which is also really kind of cool, because it's not just some weird vision. It's like her trying to affect him. Um, and then she tells me, remember when they were kids, and... Or when she, when he was, when he was young. And so we get this kind of cool shot of her getting married to the swordsman, and all the Avengers are there, and we go from there to him taking her through a, uh, a built body to the Katati homeworld. And he basically just shows how great their world is and how awesome it is, and he's built her this plant body, and her consciousness is residing in it while they're on the planet. But while that's going on, she also realizes something else, that he doesn't completely get along with his own people on the planet. And there's some disruption in there, because his own people don't believe he belongs there anymore because he's been infected by the human um, consciousness. Like, the pieces that are still the swordsmen, they reject those being part of it, and of course that infuriates him. So, it's interesting that we already see like a weird break in him from even back then. Anyway, um, we return back to the fight, and... Uh, he pulls this spike out of her and realizes that it hasn't killed her, and he realizes he's the one that's made her, and that now he knows that he's communicating with her through the, the empath of power she has. He's like, get out of my head! You have to get out of my head! And she's like, no, no, there's more you need to see. And so she basically cocoons him for a second, and then she shows him his childhood. And we see when he's new to the neighborhood and that they're trying to be normal people and have a normal life. And uh, they go to a block party, and of course all the kids are dressed up like different Avengers. And he shows up, and there's already a kid dressed up like Captain America. And so, of course, that leads the two of them to not get along with each other. Oh, there can't be two Captain Americas, you have to be someone else. And so the other kid basically makes him leave, and he runs home crying, and he's upset. And he basically goes to his room, and he converts his Captain America costume into a swordsman costume. And he shows back up at the block party after making it himself. And, of course, all the kids are super impressed. And like, oh, who are you supposed to be? And he's like, oh, I'm the swordsman. And he's one of the most awesome Avengers. And, of course, now I can play with the group. And they all are, like, very impressed by him. So they all become friends. And it talks about him as a kid running around with other kids in the neighborhood pretending to be Avengers and imitating his dad. This is after his father, the real swordsman, had passed away because he's the son of the, uh, the plant version. Anyhow... So we get some more dialogue between the two of them, and he's like, you know, this empath thing works both ways, Mom. I want to see the true you, and so he starts basically using it against her. And he gets some of the, the time when she's with the Guardians, and a part of that is Peter Quill trying to use her to use her power to influence a bunch of decisions in the galaxy, because that's part of her power, and she can sway you to do things. And so basically he just convinces his mom that my dad never wanted to join the Avengers again. The swordsman didn't want to do that. You made him do that. The only reason he got the job back at the Avengers, the only reason they let him back in, is because you made them let him back in. Everything you've done, Mom, is a twist. Everything you've done has been forced from you to other people. Which is, I mean, maybe it's possible. And it's a tiny stretch, I think, but at the same time, you can see both sides, I guess. And so he basically just tells her that her whole life's been a lie, and the way she uses her powers is horrible, and then we get a flash of him as a kid again. And we see he's playing at the block party, and when his powers first kicked in, he transforms very tree-like, and it terrifies the other kids. He's like, remember you used your power when I was a, when I was a kid, Mom? Because him and the kid in the Captain America costume, I guess, were best friends growing up, and they never had any issues. 
But it's because Mantis removed the episode where he turned into a giant living tree and scared them all. It is pretty horror story looking. I mean, there's branches sticking out of them all over the place. It's crazy. He's like, see, Mom, you've been manipulating my life even since I was a kid. Well, I know, but what would be wrong with that? No, I don't think there's anything wrong with it at all. He's just using it to be... He's just using it to be a tyrant is what it is. Like, it makes perfect sense. If that was something that happened to you as a kid or my kid, or right. you would totally want that rem- I mean, it'd be like the worst, most embarrassing thing all of a sudden just gets removed. Awesome. Because he was like... Because who he was right. just came to... Out of nowhere. Just, just came to maturity. Yeah, we just like... Think of like X-Men when their powers kick in yeah. out of nowhere. Same yeah, idea. 100%. Anyhow, so then after that, he basically... He's 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 shaking her and he's like, you know what, Mom? You're always supposed to bring your mother flowers. And he basically uses his power to transform her body there into a giant bouquet of flowers shaped like Mantis. And that forces her out of his head. And then we see Mantis where she really is in a spaceship halfway across the galaxy racing Earth to try to warn them about the genocide. And that's where the book basically wraps up. Well, about the potential genocide. Potential genocide, true. As far as, like, story, it's a pretty cool story. And, like, it's an interesting back piece. Because, like, this character's been around since the, like, late 80s. And I don't feel like he's been used a whole lot. In the very few times we see him, it's usually, like, I don't know, part of some other story where he just happens to be there. So, this side of him, the whole rage side and the, the genocide side is, is pretty cool. And it was neat seeing the flashbacks and, like, the way the art worked, like we were talking about earlier. Really cool that the pieces that were being viewed for him in his memory look like old art. Like, it's awesome. Score-wise, I mean, I I give it a three and a half. I mean, it's a, it's a good story. The art's great. As a standalone story, it's good, but it is part of a bigger event. And so that does make it a little hard as a, as a one-and-done kind of thing. But it, it is a cool story, and it's an interesting way to view Mantis' powers. I mean, she doesn't also get as much play as she probably should in the universe, because she just doesn't. You know, yeah, three and a half. Uh, Josh, what do you know about the, uh, give it the a three, Messiah? Give it a three and a half as well. I like the art. Um, I like the the change between like the flashbacks being like vintage style. Like like his design, it kind of like progresses through the book. Um, you know, I don't know enough about this series and what's going on. To, like, so I was kind of, it's just a whole new thing. Like, it's. It's even as a jumping on point, I'd be like, "What is going on?" Like, you know, you had to explain to me kind of like a few months ago about, "Oh, that's that race of people, and that's what's going on with that." But even then, I was kind of like, "Eh, I, you know, it's still kind of like just like, what the heck is going on with me?" So, yeah, like I said, as far as like a starting point, it's a decent read one shot wise, but as a thing to get the bigger picture, it's a little rougher to get the bigger picture of things. Like, if you're just a Mantis fan, it's cool. You learn about Mantis as a kid, and he's messed up. If you're a Swordsman fan, well, it's not really the Swordsman, and that would be weird if that was your main favorite character a little bit. And see, I didn't get that part either. I'm still kind of confused on that. So the original Swordsman, he died. And when he died, afterwards, this plant... Well, we didn't know what exactly it was. But he was reanimated, and he was definitely alien and green but appeared to be the swordsman, behaved as a swordsman, thought as a swordsman. So for all intents and purposes, we believed he was just resurrected with alien power. And it uh, ran forward. Because we had no idea. Like, this whole Katati thing is very new. And uh, since then, we found out that look, at least one other character that's an Avenger has had a very similar thing happen, and we didn't even know it. So very Invasion of the Body Snatchers type. But the swordsman was just a dude. 
So even though the Katati basically grew up inside of him and behaved as him, mentally it was part him and then part Katati, which is why his own people didn't really aren't really happy with him because they feel like he's tainted or whatever. But yeah, there's a whole thing in there. And like the swordsman, like I didn't read a whole lot of books from him when he was still normal. And I read even littler, probably, of him when he was green. So he's been around, but he's not like a... I say until this event, he was probably more of a D-lister, for sure. Just because he doesn't get a lot of play. And even though he trained the Avengers fighting-wise and sword-wise, and part of Captain America's prowess is from learning from the swordsman, it still is like he's a D-level character. He looks cool. But just like Hawkeye, you know, Hawkeye teach, teaches Captain America to fire a bow, that's cool. But Hawkeye lands in a different place because of the amount of use he gets and the amount of appearances he has, and the character himself just resonates better, I guess. Clint's just more of a, I don't know, he's more of a badass, I guess. Different type, I guess. That's the word, right? Different type. Anyhow. So, uh, let's move on to Horizon Zero Dawn. Based on a video game? That's correct. Knew absolutely nothing about this book. Uh, I, well, I have not played the game other than seeing like a commercial for it. That's about as much as I knew about the game. So that part's going to be a little rough. But I guess the game came out maybe a few weeks ago. I guess. Um, so it's a, th- it's a thousand years in the future after a crazy global clatic- cataclysm. And Earth has been remade into a lush, thriving ecosystem, but with a new dominant species, the machines, these massive animal-like robots fill the lands, oceans, skies, serving as the guardians and enforcers of the revived natural order. New generations of humans live on in pre-industrial tribes without knowledge of the doomed civilization that preceded them, that of the old ones. Us. So basically we have animal machines everywhere. So we start out with Talana... It seems as a female uh, main character, and she's hunting what seems to be some sort of robot bird slash raptor, like a like a dinosaur raptor, but has like things sticking off it that look like feathers as well. So kind of what probably intermittently like the in the evolutionary cycle. It looks pretty cool for like a crazy robot animal, yeah. And she's she's tracking it, and she's got very warrior esque like armor, like a helmet. Um, shoulder pads, and she has a spear and a bow. She is hunting this thing, and she gets noticed and takes off running, and they start chasing after her, and she runs up um, to a cave and dives into the cave, and this thing jumps in to try to get to her, and it's not quite big enough for her to get through, but it does stab her in the stomach, like her in the side, and but she stabs it through the face and and through the chin, Kills it, and before she passes out, and then when she wakes up, there's like healing herbs on her and um, enough food to make her last until she kind of realizes. But there's nobody there, so she kind of realizes that it's, this person wants her to leave. Like, hey, I, I cured you, I got you healthy, but you need to get out of here. Right, like they left their food to take with her, and yeah, it's like a get better, get out kind of situation. And then, so she, she's her whole goal is they've been traveling to the village of Rising Light, I guess, is where she was headed to, as it seems like. And she comes upon some more um, hunters, so to speak, and they're just killing random robots and leaving them. They take off after them, and then there's this young kid who is 
going to where they like they left the like the robot animals like just laying there. Yeah, they left the carcass like the but what would be the dead body carcass and the kids like, there basically. But not doing anything. Like they're just killing, yeah, just, just killing them. Yeah, and which is kind of, you know, and so then this kid is going along just taking power cores out, which is like it's kind of well, that's the part that they're trying to salvage, harvest from it, harvest or whatever, yeah. and then um, the same style of like raptor animal that had her like initially like comes at her again and. Somebody sm- um, throws a smoke bomb and gets them out of there, and it's this um, it's like this crazy hermit guy. They called him like the angry old man at one point. The little boy does refers to him as, as that the old man on the mountain or something like that. Yeah, and um, he gets them to safety and um, yells at the kids as you need to get home. Like you're not supposed to be out here. Get out of here. And he's like, "Don't tell anybody you taught me." He's like, "I know. I won't tell anybody." And so they have some sort of relationship, obviously, before. Like, so he was probably lying about, like, him being some angry old man. Well, either that or he's been caught by him out there before and doesn't want the people of the village to know he's not as bad as he seems. Right. That's what I got from it. Yeah, don't tell anybody you saw me. Oh, yeah. Okay. But yeah, after that, the two of them have, like, a weird conversation about what she's doing there and why she's really there and does she really belong as a hunter. It's got a very like Native American feel to it, like old well, timey. he's like she's she's like the first female hunter or something like that, and, right? And he she's like questioning him. He's like, I'm not who you think that I am, and she's he's questioning her, and she's like, Well, I, there's there's a new one. There's a new one that's like too dangerous to be let let alone. And it's that's the, the dark one, and and he's just like, Oh, okay. So they're talking about another robot monster, a robot animal of some type, a more evolutioned version. Than these raptors that hunt like raptors in packs, and then it does a flashback of where she first runs into it, and um, you meet like her protege, so to speak, that she's teaching her friend or something. It doesn't really say what she is, but like they're they're close, and this thing had destroyed um, like a traveling troop of like vendors or people. Some they were traveling from town to town, and it, it just destroyed and killed them, and. Um, so they go after it, and they and then the book ends on a, a help of like somebody who's probably still alive from this dark, the dark, the dark assault on the traveling group of people. Yeah, and there's a bunch of different covers. That is true. Yeah, there's a lot of covers. But you know, I don't know a lot about this series. There's bits and pieces of it that um, I like. There's bits and pieces that I didn't. I feel like that some parts have, have a lot of like substance and I'm like really curious about him. Like, like the male character, like who is he? And like, he knows a lot more about things going on than he leads on kind of thing. And I like that character a lot. Um, I think they rush her character in quite a bit and they, like even the, the flashback, it's kind of, kind of jumps funky to me. Um, they don't do enough to separate, I guess. And I kind of wonder if, if you, you need to know more about the game for this to make sense. Yeah, maybe. But what I have to do say about it is like the art is borderline. Like it's to me personally, like I'm, I'm giving my background of like for my rating. I'm gonna give my background as to why first. Like the the, the art is almost got a blurriness to it. Where it's not clear enough to where like I think it could be cleaned up just a little bit. I think they tried to. I think it's too digitized for me. So it just doesn't have quite the same like warmth. And so, like, I, I mean, I only give it, like, a two, a two, two and a half, maybe. Like, the potential, it, it has a potential to be higher, 
but like maybe a two, two and a half. Like maybe if I knew more about it, like it just, it just doesn't give you enough. So it kind of does, but it kind of doesn't. And again, maybe it's just, it's maybe it's one of those niche books that's only put out for people who are big fans of the game and like, and they just, you know, do books for it. Like I know there's a, there, I know there's a bunch of Halo things that were the same way. Like, right. They're like, it, maybe it's, maybe it's something like that. I'm not sure. Like mm. it, it could be really neat. It's a neat idea. Well, as far as like, I, I agree with you. And two and a half, I think is a good score for it. I mean, the art's not bad, but it is very digital and that may just be the coloring to it. And both of us are a little more old school with art. So this may appeal it's to just, a different it's audience. It's just almost not clear enough. Right. Like the, 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 the hard lines don't exist. It's like, I kind of compare it in my head to, if anybody knows anything about tattooing, there's like, there's kind of a new craze out there with like this watercolor thing where they just do like a lot of wa- like a lot of color, but no like hard outlines. I think that the heart, like, it doesn't, there's not a lot of definite, like, it's just kind of funky to me. It has a, it has like, it's, an, I don't want to say blurry, but it's like, it's just not, it's not, the, the hard lines aren't there. No, they don't have, like, the backgrounds are very watercolory. Very washed out almost. Yeah, it's like the backgrounds, the characters stand out pretty well and they pop pretty good, but the backgrounds is where the lack of detail. But even the, I, I, but even the characters, I, d- I don't think so, like, like, I feel like the robots look friggin' awesome. It's just not, but yeah, but you can't really define, like, they, they just put too much in them, I think. Like, mm-hmm. they tried to fit too many details into them. We were just kind of, are they feathers? Or, like, like, like since some, in some shots they have, like, just an eye on each side, and then other shots they have two eyes on each side. So it's like, it's kind of, just kind of funky to me. Sure. You know, and even, even her facial details, like, I'm not saying that there's not definition. Like I said, that's like took back the blurry thing. Like, right. I'm like eh, it's not necessarily blurry. It's just it's not it's not crisp enough. Like the, this scene here on on this page, like you, I mean, people can't see it when they're reading it, but like when she's in the cave, right there, it's just kind of it's just kind of like not. It's, it's not, not as detailed. That's true. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of rushed through right there. Like it's kind of weird to me. Is what I'm saying. So I don't know. It's the. It, it's not terrible. It has it has potential. Like I think it could be neat. Like and maybe if again if we knew more about the game or something, it maybe would make more sense to us. Sure. Because I'm sure if I'd never read any Star Wars whatsoever or knew any, nothing about Star Wars, and I picked up a random issue number one, I'd be like, I have no idea what's going on or who these people are. So it'd be kind of you know. But sometimes I think that it comes to writing, and I think that the right you shouldn't have to rely on something that came before it to make a good story. Sure. And so like I think that that's why I give it a, a lower rating. Because I mean the book right before this one. I really didn't know anything about that character whatsoever, but I enjoy the book. Sure. So, well, like score wise, like like you, I, I give it two and a half. Also, it's not it's not bad. I don't feel like the as far as the story is concerned, it's a pretty simple story. I mean, it's yeah, it's a tribal lady out hunting monsters, and she sees other people that don't behave the way she does with nature, and nature happens to be robot monsters. So, just like every classic story, bird robot monsters. Um, as far as, uh, as far as series, yeah, it is a video game tie-in, because Horizon Zero Dawn is a game. Uh, this particular issue is written by, uh, Annie Tooley, and the art is by, uh, Anne Molina? Molina? Alright, I didn't do the intro, my bad. That's right. Anyhow, yeah, it comes out from Titan Comics, and they, they do a lot of video game, like, a lot of video game adaption books. Like, they also did a batch of, uh, Assassin's Creed which there's getting ready to be a new Assassin's Creed for the Valhalla game, but that's actually coming out from Dark Horse, so that should be interesting. But as a thing, like, Titan does a lot of property books, so cover's cool. 
And, but it does have a lot of covers, too, so that's kind of crazy. Anyhow, um, okay, so from there we'll move into the Dark Knights Death Metal Legend of the Dark Knights. Man, that's a lot of words for it. That can't be the real title. That's just the title in the front of the book, right? Real title is Dark Knights Death Metal Legend of the Dark Knights. That is a full title. I'll be damned. Anyway, uh, this is issue one, and it, again, this is another one like anthology-wise for DC. So we got a handful of short stories in the book, um, and a lot of different writers and artists on it. So the very first one is uh, the Dark Knights, and the story title is "I Am Here." So that's the first story. Uh, this one is written by uh, Scott Snyder and James Tinian the fourth, and Joshua Williamson. So it's a, a whole group of them. Uh, art by it is, uh, or art for it is Tony Daniels, uh, who's fantastic. So, that's the first story open up. Um, when our story opens up, what we basically see is a set of lights, and there's a, a voiceover basically happening, and it's talking about, oh, this is, I know exactly what's gonna happen next, and we find out that what we're looking at is, uh, a batch of lights above you on an operating table, and we have three Alfreds. Uh, Alfred, that's the normal looking style Alfred. Alfred with an eye patch like Nick Fury, and Alfred with a cyborg eye like Kano from Mortal Kombat. Um, if you don't know anything about the Dark Universe, uh, Dark Universe is a crazy place where there's a bunch of different Batmans that are all evil, and all of them bent on destruction, for the most part. And they serve one particular one, which is the Bat Who Laughs. Um, so multiple Alfreds make sense because they're from multiple universes. And just as he said, each of the Alfreds say exactly what the... Uh, voice who we're following as the narrator expected them to say. And we get this crazy close-up of this really red eye inside of a blue face. And the eye itself is teared up. And the Alfreds are talking about, it was a success. Are you really in there? And uh, we find out that basically what they've done is transplanted the bat who laughs brain into another body. And then we get this uh, like reveal of, of his life and how his life slightly differed from our normal Bruce Wayne. So we get a scene at the theater, we get a scene in the alley, we get a scene of him deciding to, to take on the mantle of the bat and go through all his training, and we get a shot of his friends, and then we get a shot of the villains. And basically his life played out very similar to Batman's, our Batman. And then eventually we see where things askew, and the Joker kills Jim Gordon, and thus Batman kills the Joker. And then gets infected with the Joker's um, toxins, turning him into the bat, the Joker. So it's basically the Bat Who Laughs origin story, displayed over several pages with some cool like monologue, interior monologue from him. So he's the voiceover. And we see him defeat his own Justice League, and then decide that after he learns about the multiverse, that the best option is to collect all the different pieces from the multiverse, so that way he can rule the multiverse, because one thing Batman doesn't do, Batman doesn't lose. Apparently, regarding which, regardless of which Batman it is. So we get a whole landscape of him taking out a bunch of the characters from the Suicide Squad and collecting Red Death and a bunch of the other bats. Um, him taking out uh, Tim Drake and then collecting his own batch of the Dark Knights, which are the characters we saw from the first Metal series. So Red Death, Dawnbreaker, The Drowned. Um, so the whole group of them, right? And then uh, we come to the modern time, and we start talking about what just happened and how he became part of the right. He basically became the right hand man to Perpetua. And Perpetua 
is a crazy celestial being that creates the universe and then is supposed to die and go on to create another universe. She's decided that she doesn't like that idea so much, and so she's here to basically to ruin all of our lives and rule this universe, and all she wants is pain and suffering. And the bat realizes he can use that to his own advantage for a while. And then we get to reveal what happened at the end of Death Metal number one, which involves Wonder Woman and and the bat who laughs basically getting gutted, really. It's freaking awesome. Uh, if you haven't read that book yet, you need to. It's great. And then he starts talking about how viewing all these other bats in the universe, which is what basically this whole monologue has been about, about him seeing the other bats and collecting other bats and seeing how their lives were different. He finds out, he tells us that there's one bat that Batman never shared with anyone. And this particular bat happened to be a scientist. And this particular bat basically built the same machine that creates Dr. Manhattan. But there was a problem with the machine. And while the bat who laughs was watching, Bruce went inside to fix the problem, and the bat who laughed closed the door and activated the machine, thus by creating Bat Manhattan. Who is Dr. Manhattan mixed with Batman? And then as Bruce forms himself back together the same way Dr. Manhattan did, molecule by molecule, once he's finally formed, the bat who laughs gives him a lobotomy and takes his body. So, what we've had happen is Alfred's transplanted the Bat Who Laughs brain into a Dr. Manhattan Bruce Wayne body. Which is freaking crazy. It's the craziest thing ever. Uh, we get this really cool shot of him floating through space, observing all the different worlds, and um, realizing that what he needs to do is basically go to all his worlds and take all the bats so he can become the ultimate bat. And then we get another display of a whole bunch of other Batmans that we've never dealt with and may never dealt with again, like a Lex Luthor Batman, a, a Batman that is the Court of Battles Batman. Um, it's it's kind of it's kind of awesome, but it's terrifying. A Mister Freeze Batman, a Bane Batman. It's it's awesome. Um, and then he realizes that somewhere in his travels through the universes and his winning and taking everything over and beating all these other Batmans, he realizes that. The only way to be the ultimate was to be evil, and be pure evil. And to be pure evil, you have to absorb the other Batmans. And so we get this crazy demon-looking version of him holding all the Earths, and it is—it's—it's it's just crazy. It's freaking awesome. Um, after that flash, we join him back in the operating room with the Alfreds. And Alfred's all very pleased that the surgery worked, and that he's really in the body, and that he's really there. And uh, we get this crazy, like, cackling smile when he first says words to the Alfreds, because they want him to speak. Please say something, sir. And he says, bang. Just like the Joker. So like, that's where the book like wraps that last line, is bang, and just a crazy cackling smile in the darkness. It is, it is crazy. Um... But it's written really well. I mean, all three of those guys are great writers. The art's Tony Daniels. The art's beautiful. But yeah, it's it's nightmare, man. It's so crazy. Um, it's awesome, though. But yeah, it's crazy. Uh, anyhow, that's where that first story art, story ends. Then we move on to the second story. Uh, Josh, you want to tell us a story about the Robin King? Sure. So this one, is it, the name of the story is King of Pain. And it's written by Peter J. Tomasi, who's also fantastic as a writer. 
and the art is by Riley Rosmo. Um, most recently, for DC, he did the Doctor Man or did the uh, Martian Manhunter miniseries, and before that, he did a batch of books for Image. Which actually, you have a light switch in your um, hallway from Riley Rosmo's Image book. Anyway, that Josh's hallway. Not that that helps any of you. Anyway, go on. Sorry. So this one starts with Alfred with a bloody hand and a gun in his hand, and he's talking to a recorder about um, something he has to do for and giving medical notes and things like that. And he says, um, talking about young Bruce and how it's his fault that he is the way that he is and he's covered him for, for too long. And, um, then it starts showing flashbacks of how evil this Bruce was. And he smashing Alfred across the face with his rattle and, um, his teddy bear is stabbed with the knitting needles and, you know, like pulling a fish out and crushing it. Just being a terrible kid. I mean, from baby forward, just like, Thing after thing after thing, like pushing the painter off the wall, putting a cat in the microwave, and just like then it flashes forward to um, Alfred's there to, to at the movie theater um, at Beware the Grey Ghost to um, pick up the the Waynes from the movies, um, kind of setting up the evening where the Waynes die. Right. And um, police police officer Gordon, he's telling Alfred to the hey man, you can't park here, and he's just like you know like you know do. I'm here to pick up. He's like, I don't care who you pick up. You, you, you go to the parking lot. It's like everybody else go around the corner. So the Waynes come out and little evil Bruce is just like, yeah, there's, you didn't tell me it was going to be black and I, if I would have, if I would have known that I wouldn't have came because the blood doesn't look real. And they go around the corner and the, the guy, the crook that like killed the Waynes and as uh, the normal universe, Joe Chill, um, yeah. he, uh, you know, pulls the gun and everything. That and Bruce is like, "Oh, that's a Glock, such and such, and it holds this many rounds, and it's this much lighter." And he's like, "Oh, you know your guns, kids." And he's like, "I also know a lot of other things, like how to cut the carotid artery." And he like cuts the the crook's throat and then takes the gun from him. And they're like, "Put the gun down, young man!" And he turns around and shoots both of his parents. And uh, then he takes the gun from him and like starts fake crying, saying, "Mom, Dad, no!" And like pretended like, and he's the one that killed him. Right. And this is after they police her. So the the flatfoot Jim Gordon, who's just a cop, he winds up hearing the gunshots, and he's like, so the cops are like running to the scene, and that's when he starts balling it up after looking at the blood man. That's some real blood with a smile on his face. It's crazy. And then, uh, you know, it flashes forward to Alfred, like talking to young Bruce, just kind of being Alfred with him, and and Bruce Wayne says, young Bruce is just like, yeah, I'm just looking to see all my holdings and what all the money I'm gonna inherit. He's like, not for eight more years. And then, like, there's a, there's a, you know, the doorbell rings, and he goes down there, and he's like, uh, it's uh, Officer Gordon. And uh, he's like, yeah, I wanted to talk to you about the Wayne's murder yesterday, and um, he got some interesting files, and, like, I got him to get unencrypted by, uh, unencrypted by his daughter, and he wanted to talk to him about him, and if everything on that's true, then, and then all of a sudden, an arrow just shoots through his throat. Yeah, he's like, I have some questions about young Bruce Wayne. Well, somebody sent the encrypted, and she asked. Oh, that's right. He asked Barbara to unencrypt un- right. them for him. Yeah. So I think Alfred. Alfred sent, sent the files. Yeah. He says the whole time he's talking to the recorder, he's leaving a declaration of what the yeah. truth is. And so, and he runs away as Bruce is trying to kill him as well. And then it flashes back to the you know, the beginning of the story where you know he's like talking to the tape recorder, 
and he's getting ready to defend himself, and he thinks that he's subdued the the young the young Bruce with a tranquilizer, and then he like breaks through the window in this in this crazy costume, and uh, he's yelled, he, Alfred's yelling at him to, to stay back, and he picks up the the head that would normally. I think would normally be the one that opens the bat cave. Yeah, the the statue, the face statue. Yeah, the head, the stone, and then um, he's like, he's, th- he's thanking him for protecting him for all time until he was ready, and he's like, go straight to Hellmaster Bruce, and then he says, after you, my old friend, smashes Alfred's head and kills him, and then he says, rings a bell, says, ding ding, hear that? It's the sound of the Robin King, and its new spring is coming. And he's like in this crazy like black costume. That's yeah, yeah, yeah it's really creepy. It's crown, very, crown, crown of uh, sticks on his head. Very, uh, very. Uh, I guess I what, what do you call the uh, where Jesus was taken to be hung on the cross? What do you call that? Crown of thorns. But I, I, I think yeah. that's that. I and more like the bat who laughs is. It's like his got too, the spikes, yeah. but it's just like the Robin version. So it's like if a Robin was the bat who laughs, yeah. yeah. That's how I, that's how I kind of took it. So it's freaking crazy looking. I mean, yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty twisted. And like Riley Rossmo art, that's really great for like kind of horror stories. And that's how this plays out. It's it's a horror story. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. If you haven't seen what the king of king or the with the Robin King looks like, it's Google him. There's pictures all over the internet now, man. It's crazy. Um. <laughs> Also, again, another awesome story. I mean, Peter J. DeMossi, fantastic writer, and, and Rossmo is a good artist, so very, very wild. So the next story, this is the, uh, <laughs> the B, the B Rex is, uh, the character the story is about, and it's, uh, Batman Saurus Rex. And now this one is written by Marguerite ben- Bennett, and art is by Jamal Agle. Now, originally, this story was supposed to be written by Warren Ellis, um, and with a different artist on the book. But uh, because of Warren's current uh, situation. Situ- situation, situation, yeah, situation, um, he was removed from the book, and so this story, uh, in lieu, replaces that story. And it was always designed to be a short story; like it wasn't something that he was writing something big and deep about. It was it was only supposed to be like a couple page story. Um, but this is the shortest one in the book. But yeah, Marguerite uh, winds up writing it, and Igel winds up doing the art for it. Um, so this thing opens up, and we're in Arkham Asylum, and like everything's sort of smashed. We got people running, trying to hide, and trying to get through different doors to get away. And the whole time, we have this monologue going on that we don't entirely see what the body is, but because you know the title, you know exactly what's happening. It's very uh, escape in the building, Jurassic Parky, except with criminals at the sea or at the. Uh, Arkham Asylum Prison. Everyone's seen like a body torso kind of torn in half, like part of it's been eaten. And we've got Two-Face and the, the Calendar Man and a whole batch of them like hiding in a kitchen area. And the wall gets smashed in and the next thing you see is this T-Rex basically tossing one of them into his mouth. And the whole time it's talking about how they say that the bat got buried in his cave, but his brain still worked even though his limbs did not. And so like the right up the story implies the idea that Somehow Batman got into the T-Rex animatronic robot from the Batcave. And we know from the write-up well, from the first story... Yeah, to be fair, it doesn't imply that necessarily. It, it's just... it's It says his his body was destroyed and all of a sudden he's in a dinosaur body. And I think 
like we talked, um, at first I was very negative on the story. It doesn't imply it at all. There's no implication of like it being like the robot Tyrannosaurus Rex from the Batcave at all. It's just like all of a sudden a white Tyrannosaurus with a Batman cow on. It's it's but to be fair, she probably had maybe a couple days to be like get this finished with with like writing and art and everything all together because it right. was kind of what happened because it seemed like that hasn't been that long since that happened. No, it so hasn't. so the book was probably close to going to print. So my question is, maybe did it go to print? And there's some issues out there with his story in it that we're gonna are gonna leak out, and it's gonna be this secret, majestic, like hard to find issue. I mean, that'd be really cool if that was the case. I I find it because it it goes back to like the uh, there's a random um, version of a it's like a second unknown secret second printing of GI Joe number twenty one. I think first appearance of Storm Shadow. Okay. But there was like multiple versions of it. There was like the direct to consumer and then there was the newsstand, but then there was like like it goes from like first printing, which would be like the direct to consumer, but then the to third printing, but there's like this mysterious talk of like a second printing, but like there's no trace of it anywhere. It's just like it exists, but does it exist? And it's just like Huh. It's a weird thing. It's like a secret. Like it's kind of like it, it's it's in GI Joe lore. It's kind of interesting with Marvel Comics. So like, is this going to be one of those things? Like it exists. Like people saw it, but like nobody owns it, and like they were all destroyed, or or did they before it went to print? You know, it's just it's going to be interesting. I'll be I'll be curious to see what happens with that. Yeah, I think it'd be kind of cool if that was the case. Because how long ago did that the news thing pop up? Oh man, I don't know. Two months ago. We were t- we talked about it in the news in the last episode a little bit. Where so he got in trouble. That was like the week after we found out about it. And so, and when did this book come out? Uh, this one came out last last Wednesday. Last Wednesday, so a week ago. Yeah. So, like, how long does it take to adjust a print schedule? I mean, because you ordered this book through Diamond. Oh no! Or, this this one came from Luna. This is oh, one, whatever you you ordered yeah. you ordered this your distributor three months ago, right? Well, the amount of them printing them and the amount of like what was inside the book, I don't know how much time it takes between A and B for any of that. But the orders themselves, we were made aware of the story being changed months after the order happened. So the announcement about it, in, and that's in, what, and that's what I'm wondering. Like when it, yeah. when, when it finally goes to print. I find it unlikely there'd be any, but that'd be kind of cool if there was. Yeah, so, I mean... It'd be interesting if there was. But yeah, so that was only two page stories. So it's pretty quick. The rest of them are pretty quick as well, actually. Yeah. Uh, so the next story is the uh, This Man, This City. Uh, is the follow-up to the, uh, the, <laughs> the T-Rex Batman, which is... It's it's kind of awesome, but it's, it's weird. Um, as a thing... Anyhow, uh, As artist, a, artist on this one is Frank Avia. Um, I don't remember who the writer is. Frank Thierry? Frank Thierry, okay. And Francesco Frank Avia. Yep. Who's the art? Castle Bat. That's the character in the book. This man, this city. And it's, uh, shows Arkham Asylum on fire and the police trying to fight and. Commissioner Barbara Gordon assassinated. The streets are littered with gangs, monsters, and monsters. Gotham City is broken. And it's high, high time it did something to fix it. And it's old man Bruce, and it's Damien is all beat up, and he's like, you know, I'm not, I'm not the other Robins. I mean, I'm not, I'm not Tim. I'm not, I'm not Dick. I'm not, 
I'm not Jason. Like I'm, I'm not Barbara. Like I'm not, I'm none of those people. And he's like, I never asked you to be. He's like, you know, and you, d- you d- did the best you could. Then he picks up this crazy old book that looks like the Necronomicon. He's like, let me tell you the story. And he's just tell a story about sacrifice and of old Gotham and old blood. And uh, he's like, uh, what are you going to do to save Gotham? You, you know, this is, this sounds terrible. What are you going to do? And he stabs him through the heart. Um, Bruce stabs Damien through the heart and then lays him on this like crazy pentagram thing on the floor made of blood. And uh, he's like, it says that you have to, to be able to, to save things, you have to sacrifice things you love the most. And I've always loved, and you think he's going to say um, Damien. And he says, I've always loved Gotham, Gotham the most. And he walks into the fire and disappears. And then all of a sudden he's just like, He's, I'm, I'm, I, it's the thing I've loved the most. I'm, I know every street corner, I know every city sidewalk crack. I know, um, every brick and every building in order to save the city. Now I have to become the city. And he's just like this gigantic, like, he's basically, he basically becomes Gotham the city. Yeah. He burned himself alive in the fire after the crazy I think he, ritual. I think he walked into the, yeah. You know. It turns into the, he becomes the city because of, the Necronomicon, well, basically the Necronomicon. And to be fair, the last two stories are both only two pages as well, so. Oh, are they? Yeah. Exactly. And they're both terrible. <laughs> they're think, almost as terrible as. pretty funny. Mm. <laughs> See, that's the thing, is like, these stories in this book are either, like, good or they're terrible. Like, they're not, there's not, like, like, eh. I don't know, I think they're, I think, I think they're funny. Um, so the, the, this sword story is the, uh, Road Warrior is the name of it. Um, it stars the, uh, Batmo Beast. It's written by, uh, Daniel Warren Johnson. And, uh, it's also drawn by Daniel Warren Johnson as well. Uh, in this particular story, uh, so we open up in the back with Batman staring down a flock of people. And, uh, he's finally decided he's gonna do what he has to do to be able to take care of this city that's all being driven by technology. Because we see all these people wandering around with their faces and their iPads, and they have their little virtual eyepieces, and it's very, uh, I don't know, like, it's not Blade Runner future, but it's like, it's like a weird take on the future. Because, like, where everyone's hooked together is by cyber implants and whatnot. Anyway, he's looking at the Batcave, and you see, you see this crazy mech suit that is like a Batman mech. So it has cannons up on the shoulders. We have the classic Batmobile from the Tim Burton movies. Then we have uh, the Batmobile from the Batman animated movie or Batman anime cartoon series. And we have a uh, giant monster truck Batmobile as well. And we see a shot of uh, how the city's turned to war. And basically, we have this giant war zone looking scenario with mech suits fighting soldiers. And at the end of the battle, we see the bat cow hanging on a spike and a bunch of guns being shot in the air, and we find out that Batman has transplanted himself into... Every electronic thing completely. Right. And so, but at this, at the end of it, the only thing that's left is that. Monster truck. Right. Is the truck. But at, the, at first, it's every electronic. That's why the city, when they're all battling, the people are fighting giant... The mech suits are all Batman mech suits. They're the, all the Batman, like, the stuff we saw. Cell phone, every cell phone. says it's every... All pieces of technology. Yeah. And so, you know, they, they destroy all technology. The only thing that's left is the Bat truck. <laughs> Which is... It, it's it's crazy. Um, one yeah. man's crazy is one man's not good. Well, the last story is uh, I Shall Become. 
And this one is uh, written by Garth Enos, and the artist is by Joel Jones. And Joel is freaking awesome. Enos is a decent writer, too, but Joel, she uh, was writing and drawing Catwoman for the first part of Rebirth. Um, story-wise, do you want to take this one? Yeah, I'll do it. This is, yeah, this is a Joel Jones story. Well, I mean, and, and to be fair, the art's really good. Oh, yeah. Joel's amazing. But... Again, somehow, the bat body dies. He's like, when my body died, my mind fled into cyberspace. Now it downloads into the genetically engineered human body prepared for such an eventuality. I have years of experience behind me. Now I live once more free to train to plot my revenge. Now the Batman of two lifetimes will be unstoppable, complete, and he's a baby. He's like, what? I'm a baby? I am? I'm screwed up. I'm a newborn baby. He's like, I'm 18 inches tall, 10 pounds wet. Know what's happening now? And the baby just like falls and falls down the stairs onto his head. And just like rolls all the way down the stairs. He's like, oh, come on. Okay, let's review. So head too heavy to lift. That might be a problem. What else have I got in my crime-fighting repertoire? Crawling, gurgling, soft spot on my skull where a foe could potentially poke a finger into my brain. Incontinence. Hmm, very well. Such a conundrum might leave a lesser mortal flummoxed, but not the Batman, not the Dark Knight, not the Guardian of Gotham, not the Terror Underworld, the Nightmare Nemesis of Joker, Penguin, Two-Face, Scarecrow, all the rest. Not when I have my ultimate weapon, and then it just cries and ends, and it's like, wah. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Well, it's crying like a baby out of control. That is a baby's best weapon, because it sounds horrible. You ever been on a plane with a baby? You've never been on a plane. That's true. I see the jokes, though. It seems um, terrible. So, <laughs> like I said, the Tyrannosaurus one, it's just... Mm. Yeah, I'll give you a, a group of them. I, I, I find that to be the weakest. I think that the, the Tyrannosaurus one and, like, the, the monster truck one and the baby one are just, like, complete throwaways. I think they're just a complete waste of my time, and it really irritated me. But the Robin story is awesome. The Robin one is really, really good. Um, you know, the the bat who laughs, like the the backstory of that was kind of cool. I think I, it's gonna lead. It's get. I mean, what it's doing. I think why this book is so huge right now is because it's like leading to a massive crossover where. The new massive villain is like this, the bat who laughs, that's now kind of mixed with Dr. Manhattan. Well, he's definitely the current, like, him and Perpetua are the big, big bads currently going on in the DC universe. Um, but as far as, like, an event, I mean, yeah, the metal itself was really crazy, and the way it ends was really crazy. Um, so it, it just continues forward with the crazy. Right. right. I mean... There's always some big crossover going on, and you got to keep going bigger and better and crazier. And well, it's not really a crossover; it's an event book, but it doesn't really affect like regular Superman's not affected by this. Regular Batman not affected by this. This is its own thing, even though it's happening in current continuity according to itself. It it doesn't really affect any of the other books. The only one that's actually going to tie into it's Justice League, and Justice League's going to have like three issues that tie in that are part of its regular storyline. But they're abridged to So it's not going to be like Blackest Night where it no. crosses over to like every book? No, not like that at all. Oh. Yeah, event-wise, it's it's an event book that that ties into Justice League for those three issues. Where Metal did the same thing. Like Metal was a big event. Now, granted, the Titan issues did scope pretty big in that one because we had one-shot Titans that connected to Nightwing, that connected to Suicide Squad, that connected to Green Arrow, and then a Green Lantern and a Justice League crossover as well. 
But unlike Blackest Night, which was like a full universe event with every book affected by it, this guy is not. So it's not quite the same. Even though there's pieces that are similar. And it does get a handful of one-shots, and this is one of those one-shots. Score-wise, I mean, I don't know. I, book and whole, I'm going to say three and a half. Individual stories, that's where things land different. And, like, Joel Jones' art is amazing. That story is more funny. And I, okay, it, you got the horror story that is the Robin King, and then you have the baby story, which is funny, but it's weird. Than, I mean, I guess I don't know where else you put that story. I say in a trade somewhere, as, like, a, other things to read. I thought, <laughs> no. Right. It, it didn't need to be written. Yeah. I mean, I, like I, said, thought, I mean, that's how I feel about it. But it doesn't it's just like, fit anywhere. I give the book a two and a half because it's like, like you, you love the art at the beginning. Oh yeah. Tony Daniels. And you know, and I didn't, I didn't think that it was that fantastic. Like I thought there was some really rough stuff in it. Like some of the Batman art, like he looks, he looks terrible. And some of like the Joker art, he looks terrible. I'm not a fan of it. You know, like, I mean, I'm, I'm, if you like it, then you like it. Like I just, you know, you know, different strokes, different folks. Sure. I just, I think it's weak. I think the art's actually kind of weak. Um, you know, I, I did really like, man, that, 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 the, the, the Robin King story is really, the art in that I think is fantastic. That's, uh, that's, and it's really creepy. The Raya Rossmo. Well, yeah, he does. And it's, and it's bizarre. And I, I loved, I, I thought that I was like, even though I hated, you know, I hate it because it's so dark. Well, the story's dark. Yeah. You're supposed to hate it. But I, but I, exactly. But exa- 100% exactly. I, I love it, but I hate it. It's like, it's like that horror movie, like, oh my gosh. Right. Ugh. It was done so well, you know, like, the bat who laughs is fascinating to me, but like now making him like a, like a demigod is, it's, it's odd. I, I don't know. Mixing the Watchmen characters in with the DC universe, I thought to begin with all the way back then was odd and not, I was like, this is, just, I, I don't know. I mean, just cause they have the rights to it doesn't mean they should, should do it. You know, just because you can doesn't mean that you should. That's the, that's the question. So you know? more, more of a Watchman purist. Yeah, because it's like, yeah, I don't know. Because now, then now you have this thing. It's just like now you have this omni, near omnipotent version of like evil Batman Joker combo thing. Something's got to kill Perpetua, so it's got to be a, a bat. What do they call him? Batman Hatton. Batman Hatton sounds like a drink. Did you get a bar that was Batman flavored bar? Batman Hatton. But does Batman need, like, absolute power, though? Because I think that ultimately, absolute, like, power corrupts absolute power. Well, he's corrupts absolutely. That's what the whole story's about. I know, but if they make, if, if somehow he gets turned back. Oh, yeah. I, I find that unlikely. More, more likely in the end of it will be him and Perpetua destroying each other. Or Batman, our Batman, twisting the situation to suit himself to fix the problem. I mean, the whole point of that story is that Batman doesn't lose, so if you're beating yourself against, are you really losing? It's like beating your own high score, right? You didn't really lose, you just did But is it run. really you, though, at that point? Man, that's where things get weird. See, like, see that, that, that's just, yeah. it's getting, it's just too many layers and it's too many things. Like, you're a Batman purist, you love everything about Batman, like you love Batman anything, and that's at the beginning as we talk uh, about that. That's not true. Batman Rip, I'm really not a fan of. Which one? Rest in peace, the Batman Rip. Not a fan. Okay, so there's one thing of... Yeah, there's a, there's a handful of others in there. I mean, even Batman 66 you love, and there's nothing to love about that. It's just... 66? Oh, you mean the year 66? Yeah, that's different. Uh, different thing. 
It's not though. Yeah. It's all Batman. Yeah. It's all Batman. Yeah. But Batman rip. Uh, I said, let it be. I hate it. All right. Anyway, there's a handful of things, but yeah, generally speaking, I, I do enjoy Batman. So that's that's true. Anyhow, um, as far as uh, things go, so what, what's next on the show? Things to uh, watch. No, that's that's the end. Uh, what'd you learn today, Josh? No, that's the end. No, that's not. It goes that before books, 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 watches end. I guarantee it. I've done 141 of these things. I guarantee it. What'd you learn today, Josh? Not a lot. But you hate babies. I don't hate babies. Oh. I don't like stories about babies. Well, there you go. Oh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I don't like, I don't like bat dinosaurs. That's ridiculous too. Like, not even in a funny way. Like, I don't think that's funny at all. I was just like, after I read that, I was like, that was a minute and a half of wasted time. And I want that back. And I'm really upset about it. So you hate things that are fun. No, it's not fun. There was nothing fun about that. <laughs> it's hilarious. A bat dinosaur? No. When I watch an episode of Saved by the Bell, that's fun. When I watch an, when I when I read that, I'm angry about it, and I'm like, I want my I want my time back. Huh? They just they just stole they just it's like stabbing me with a really small cocktail sword, the little plastic ones. Oh yeah, it's like they can't kill you with one stab, but if you get stabbed with enough of them, they can kill you. There you go. And that was that was two and a half swords. <laughs> so not nearly enough to kill you. But enough okay. to be real aggravating. Sure, understandable. Uh, so what I learned today, Josh? Something about there's always robots in something classics. All the classic stories have robots in them? Uh, that's true, I did learn that. Robot birds. Robot birds, that's true. That is true. Which I don't think that's true at all, so that's where that about you learned classic stories? That's, that's where that you learn something that's not true, except in... Clash of the Titans is a robot owl. He's freaking awesome. Well, in the original, the new movie didn't have him. We don't talk about the new one because it doesn't, shouldn't have happened, so it's fine. Well, there you go. But, so there is that. So that is a classic. Star Wars is a classic. It has robots. It doesn't have a robot bird. That's true. That is true. So not all classics have Star Wars. I'm going to say all classics tales of like old, old times. Have robot birds? Heck yeah, man. Every single one of them. No, they don't. Bump, bump. Uh, so. So before we go any farther, um, I wanted to give a little shout out because, um, he says he listens to this and it's cool that we have an international listener, like a guaranteed one because he was like, Hey, his name's Chris Wakefield. Um, he's a dude I met in Liverpool when I was touring over there a few years back. And he took some really, really, really cool pictures outside of the venue of my band at the time, Loaded 45, which is why you call me Josh 45, in case anybody was wondering. And also, in case of the beginning of this episode of what I called CBS Boris the Bear, it's a long story. It's not really that good of a one. But anyway, it's a cool nickname, Boris the Bear, mm-hmm. for sure. Like, if you, had, if you had to pick a different nickname besides CBS, I think Boris the Bear is pretty badass. They, they called me the Bear. Like, that, like they, they do, like, yep, and then you just go on with your day. So, what can I get you today? See, that'd be pretty neat, right? So, anyway, uh, um, Chris hit me up about um, the Kyle Reiner cover of the Green Lantern book that we did last episode, and um, because I think it's so neat that he hit me up, and because also several years ago, um, our 7-inch came out, and I used his photo um, on the back of the 7-inch. 7-inch album, yeah. 
well, the seven inches, a 45 record, a seven inches, a small vinyl record, and then there's a 10 inch, which is the middle, and then there's a 12, which is the big one. But if, if you don't know that by this point, you're not a record person. Well, the, the, I mean, even then, like most people should still know. But anyway, seven inches is the smaller one. And I said I would send him one, and then I just kind of completely f- forgot. And so I owe him a record, even though he says he doesn't currently own a record player, but I'll still send him one because <laughs> I, I have a bunch left. Don't tell Deeker. Because then Deeker would be like, send him over for me to sell him the merch, blah, blah, blah. And I'm not, I'm not going to because it's really expensive. <laughs> but I'm also going to send him my copy, my personal copy of the Conrader cover of the Green Lantern book. Cool. So it's on the way, Chris. And I'll send you some stickers and some other random stuff. It's cool. Um, but thanks for listening. We appreciate you. And he, his, he's the one that told you about his old podcast that he was a part of. It was called Talk a Nerdy to Me. Okay. But like, I still think that's the raddest name ever. Cause like, Talk Dirty to Me and I'm like, Poison. So funny. Um, there's a whole YouTube song that uses that one. Yeah. But anyway, it's still, then, it's cool, cool. It's cool. But name. his current one is his Chris's comics. He has a new podcast. So cool. Just give him, give him a shout out. So hopefully it gives us a shout out in the same. Sure. So it's really That'd neat. Awesome. Yeah. So like, and if we ever get a chance to leave the country again, go over and visit the UK. On, sure. Know, we could hang out with Chris. There is comic cons there when they happen. For sure. So there's, so there's that. There is that. And, um, books uh, to watch. Books to watch. So I was going to say this in the news, but the new Green Lantern um, season two is what they're calling it. Right. Um, there's some cool things happening, and I don't want to like spoil it because it's really rad. But Hal Jordan is going through some kind of crazy stuff. His Spectre life kind of comes back to haunt him. So it's a good way. It's a good way to call it. Yeah. yeah. So it's real neat. I'm stoked on it. Like so, Green Lantern is a good book. Like and uh, yeah. Other than that, that's kind of where I'm. I'm a little bit behind on stuff right now. Life's been a very absolutely crazy the last couple months, so I'm. Um, that's 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 it. Where I'm at ish. That is true. Other books to watch, like uh, we did a review a couple episodes back for uh, Adventure Man, and that thing is awesome. Like I know, I know that it was mixed review from the from the group, but issue three came out and it was great. So fun. I like the book a lot. Terry Rachel Dotson doing the art for it. It's good. Uh, image. Uh, we had, there's a new one that came out this week called Big Girls, and uh, art's a little messy on it, but it's like uh, I like the first issue. It's a story with basically like giant women fighting kaiju's. So if you took the uh, oh gosh, what was the name of the movie that had the it was like the hundred foot woman? No, I can't remember the name of it. Some eighties movie about a giant lady. That doesn't help with describing the book at all. Anyway, look for that. It, the first issue is cool. Uh, I guess we'll see if it persists forward. But yeah, giant ladies fighting giant monsters. Awesome. Uh, so I dug that. And then uh, there's another one. Oh, man. Oh, um, we only find them when they're dead. Coming out from Boom Comics. So I got a preview version of that the other day. Uh, written by uh, Al Ewing, the guy writing the uh, Immortal Hulk series right now over at Marvel. It is freaking awesome. Uh, it's a space adventure book. basically deals with a world where supplies have run very limited on the planet, so we've sent spaceships out to try to find supplies for Earth. And in the process of that, we find these giant celestial beings that everybody treats or believes are gods. And then we harvest flesh and jewelry and weapons and eyeballs and things to be food send back home. And this is a story about pilots that do that as a job. And uh, one group has decided they want to try to see where these things really come from because they only find them when they're dead. Hence the title. 
art's great in it. Um, yeah, first issue was awesome. So I say look for that thing. So I think issue one's supposed to come out, I think, next month. But yeah, it was fantastic. Super stoked. And then usually we, we, we're behind this, but we're, I made a comment, you and me, or you and me had a conversation last week. So we're going to try and make this a weekly thing again, get it back, just run full speed on all cylinders. And so that's our goal, just to make this a weekly podcast again, like it used to be and get it back functioning proper. Promises I'm a moving key, but we're going to try. I'm not, I didn't promise. I said we're, that's our, that's our goal. You're promising the listeners. No, I didn't promise. I said it's our goal. That's what we're, okay. our goal. We're going to try to get that done. And I think that, okay. I think it's something that we can really handle. So that's, that's, that's the goal. And I, cause I, I do enjoy doing this and it gives me a chance to touch, touch and read other things that I don't, wouldn't, wouldn't normally do. Sure. So it's, it's pretty huge. And so there is that. Um, um, so yeah, social media stuff. Josh, you're on Instagram where? I am on also Wendell24, W-I-N-D-L-E-24. I've been putting some of my new photography stuff that I've been doing on that. Um, I also have the Never Been Done podcast. Those would you and me do together with um, T-Huff. Right. It's a second it's, podcast. Yeah. It's our more um, PG-13 R-rated. Um, oh God, there's, there's a rating that's higher than that, but I don't know what it is. It's not NC-17. <laughs> there you go. Um, but it's it's just more like more mature. Like it's uh, definitely like don't listen to it with kids in the car unless you don't care if your kids because my sister doesn't care if they watch swearing in movies. She's like whatever. Watch The Hangover again. I'm like wow, you watch it like your kids watch that. And okay. <laughs> so then I just feed them Red Bull and leave town. Uh, and then uh, man, so that so we do that and we're getting up on close to episode seventy five. I think is no, coming up seventy nine. I think uh, almost eighty. Close. So we're doing that. So, and then you and me have something that's really, really cool, and I've been really enjoying doing uh, action figure deconstruction. It is a YouTube show where we unpackage, unbox, or whatever you want to call it, um, cool and upcoming action figures or current action figures or ones that we've done some older, a couple oldish ones, but mostly it's new stuff or um, unknown things. And as far as things like a it's a review show is what it is, and it's great. It's super fun. And um, last week we kind of compa- we combined the um, the top five episode with the actual figure deconstruction because we did the um Pink Ranger, Power Ranger, the Ranger Ranger Slayer, Slayer. yeah, which is really fun. So um, that that figure is really cool to do. We've been doing just it's getting harder to do because not enough new stuff is coming out because there's kind of a delay with all the COVID nonsense. But things are going to start coming. Like, I got a lot of pre-orders, so then we'll be able to just start pumping out a bunch more episodes. I got some really cool figures coming out that can kind of preview. There's like a, um, Eagle Force is coming out. Um, there's some more Planet Green Valley stuff coming out. There's some new Acid Rains coming out. Um, Boss Eye Studios is doing some awesome previews that they have some things coming out. They're doing a, a Flash Gordon, a Phantom, a Tarzan, a Zoro figure. So I think they have pre-orders for Zoro and the, uh, and the, uh, Buck Rogers are both up already. Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon, that's what I meant. Um, yeah, and they're, they're, they're just fantastic. Um, Boss Fight Studios, in my mind, can do no wrong. They've done everything. And they have a Legend of Lucha Libre, which is a, uh, 112 scale line that they're doing. They come, like, with chairs and all sorts of rad stuff. They have two, their first two figures for pre-order up in that as well. Anyway, we just, you know, we just love action figures. We love that, that universe, the real, the neat, these, and a lot of these independent toy companies are doing the things that we all, um, all of us grew up 
the wishing 80s. they would make. <laughs> well, in the 80s and 90s, things that we wish yeah. we would have had back then are just like... Well, Legends of Lucifer Libre, like one of them is Pentagon, I think. And then the other one's... It's Pentagon Light, I think is what they call him, but it, if you know Pentagon Dark, it's, that's the dude. And the other one, I think, is uh, Phoenix, I think. Yeah. So, like, if you ever watched Lucha Underground, those are characters you should know. If you watched anything modern, <laughs> Luchador Wrestling, you should know them, too. Uh, yeah, they, they, both the figures look really cool. So hopefully at least the other ones, because that would be neat. And then there's some San Diego, um, sub, like San Diego Comic-Con exclusives, kind of that they got put out to other places that um, should be showing up off and on. Um, man, we just, there's a bunch coming out. It's just kind of when, because everything's behind. We have at least two NECA ones that showed up this week. So Cool. So that should be cool to do something on. And we would have some cool G.I. Joe stuff that was out, but um, scalpers bought everything up because they're a bunch of jerks. So I wanted to throw that out there because that's what I learned this week. And I learned it last week, too, that I don't like people who scalp action figures. See, you totally had a place to do that when you asked what you learned. I'm doing it again. I'm just throwing it at the very end. One of these days, we're going to figure out how you can make that work. Well. Well, and someday. Um, Instagram, if you want to see things I draw, go to uh, Top Top 5 5 Comics CBS. Um, You can also find... uh, Topic Comics podcast on there too. I don't put enough stuff up for the show on that thing, so look at my drawings. Likes my drawings. That'd be fun. Well, I'm gonna start helping with the socials because I've been doing socials for the other stuff too. So sure, let's see why not. And then we do have some buddies who do hot sauce review shows. If you like hot sauce, check out Scovillionaires. Also on YouTube. Yep. Or if you go to the Top Five Comics Podcast dot com website, there's like links in the middle of the page for all this stuff. So everything we just said, you can find everything along with Ant Man twenty forty? Uh twenty fifty thousand fifty. Two thousand fifty. Video game reviews. For our walkthroughs. I guess they're not reviews, they're walkthroughs. So like gameplay. Those are things. Yeah. They're things things you can do, other things to listen to or watch or whatever. Like, follow, subscribe, share with your friends. That's all the bag. So there so you go. Definitely this show. Like and subscribe on whatever wherever you listen to this and like leave comments and Tell us what's up. And then, obviously, the action figure deconstruction, please go give that a watch and leave us a comment. And fo- follow the Top 5 Comics um, page. YouTube page, yeah. yeah. So subscribe. That would be, yeah. There subscribe you go. to that. It helps, it helps anyway, because it's all, you know, all we're doing is stuff. Yeah. So once once cons come back around. We can we, try to get you interviews. So that's what we do. And go talk to people. And maybe if, like, you know, people are like, well, you guys are pretty cool. We can get some interviews and get those going anyway. So. Yeah, all the interviews you, over if, Skype if, if you've listened to any of the 140 episodes whatever there's a all those interviews came from different conventions so yeah, that's drying up real quick though because well conventions just aren't happening nothing's happening yeah and LA might happen maybe that's but then they closed down California again so it's definitely, it's definitely not happening yeah, it's December man you never know it's 100% not they're happening they're wild out there they don't care uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway that's it uh, to key no Come on, man. It's never going to happen, man. You might want to come out with a better ending. No. I'm going to switch it up. You're going to watch Kamen Rider. And I'm going to focus on I definitely won't watch Kamen Rider. I watched enough Say by the Bell. You haven't watched Say by the Bell in a decade. Can you? Can you?